This is Behind Frenemy Lines, a podcast about Israel-Palestine by local journalist David Sheen. That's me. Today we're going to be talking about what's left of the Jewish left in Israel and in the United States. Israel crushes resistance at home and abroad with help from far-right friends. The Jewish-Israeli left is in tatters. They make up just a tiny fraction of the Jewish population of the country, and their numbers have been steadily shrinking since the start of the millennium. No alliance of progressive parties can hold a candle to Israel's hawkish governing coalitions. No liberal newspaper can pull the public away from the tabloids that back Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu and his rivals even further to the right. And no upstart activist group has been able to sway the hearts and minds of significant numbers of young Jews brainwashed with ever-increasing doses of Zionist propaganda. Top Israeli lawmakers openly incite against leftist figures with frightening regularity, knowing that these attacks will only increase their own popularity amongst Israeli voters. Even without this egging on, Israeli society is increasingly purging its leftists from positions of influence, as all the Israelis who have lost their jobs in recent years after being outed for their left-leaning views can attest to. But to grasp the cost that Israeli Jews are forced to pay if they harshly criticize their own government's racist policies, one need only consider a case reported on earlier this month, that of 58-year-old Guri Mincer of Tel Aviv. Until recently, Mincer was on top of the world as the CEO of a medical services firm he started from scratch over a quarter century ago, today employing hundreds of workers, a so-called Israeli success story. But when right-wing activists learned that in a private capacity he supported Palestinian rights, even paying some of the legal costs of Palestinian activist Ahed Tamimi, they called to punish Mincer by boycotting his firm. After a spate of attacks against him, the company's employees, and their property, Mincer reluctantly sold the firm that was his life's work. Under duress, he was reportedly forced to sell it off for a price less than its actual worth by $10 million dollars, and possibly several times that figure. After he did, the new owners of the company staged a photo op with a far-right ruffian and ruling Likud party member who led the calls to boycott the firm in order to appease Israelis incensed over Mincer's politics. We need not lose sleep over the fate of Mincer himself. His net worth is still in the millions of dollars, if not more. But the cost he had to pay is one that few Israeli dissidents can afford. Israel consistently tops lists of OECD countries with high poverty rates, and left-wing activists must also take into account the economic costs of openly opposing the racist nature of the regime. Though Mincer's case is just one extreme example, it speaks to the sad state of the Jewish left in Israel today. But with local leftists unable to reverse anti-Palestinian public opinion on their own from inside Israel, could they perhaps benefit from intervention by U.S. Jews the next largest Jewish community in the world, one perceived to be much more liberal than their own. Unfortunately for those besieged Israeli leftists, it would seem that the Israeli government already has a significant head start on them, taking the fight stateside as well. The apparent objective, crush any U.S. opposition to Israel's ethnostate and to those who would build their own white ethnostates in its likeness. This month, it emerged that a firm led by former high-level Israeli intelligence officials private spies who had met with Donald Trump Jr. offering to smear his father's electoral opponents, 
tried to sell the same set of spy services to a group of pro-Israel donors, offering to target individuals and groups critical of Israeli state racism. The clandestine meeting had reportedly been arranged by a former executive of the Jewish Federations, which claims to be an umbrella organization representing U.S. Jews. In addition, reports published earlier that same week by the Jewish Daily Forward revealed that the Federation for San Francisco Area Jews, perhaps the most liberal Jewish community in the continental U.S., has funneled huge sums, up to $300 million by one estimate, to Jewish supremacist groups and white supremacist groups over the past decade and a half. Some of these funds were reportedly donated to Israeli organizations that work to ethnically cleanse the country of non-Jews and to defend the Jews who serve that cause, groups such as Haliba, Honenu, and the Hevron Fund. Some of the funds were reportedly donated to U.S. polemicists devoted to defending Israel and attacking its critics, such as Frank Gaffney, Pamela Geller, Daniel Pipes, David Horowitz. However, some of these funds were reportedly donated to groups who work to prevent people of color from immigrating to the U.S. and Europe and who have no clear connection to Israel, groups such as the Tea Party, Project Veritas, the American Freedom Law Center, and still more reportedly went to groups that smear students, professors, journalists, and other whistleblowers who criticize Israeli racism, tried to get those people fired from their jobs and banned from entering Israel and Palestine. These McCarthy's groups include the Canary Mission, the Amcha Initiative, and the Foundation for the Defense of Democracies, and their targets include Jews, including Jews from the San Francisco Bay Area itself, the Jewish Federation's ostensible constituents. These revelations are almost assuredly just the tip of the iceberg. If the leaders of the most liberal communities in the Jewish diaspora are quietly funding the far right in Israel, the U.S., and around the world, it's quite likely that the heads of Jewish communities with more conservative inclinations are also bankrolling this beast. For the few Israeli Jews who aspire to live in peace and equality with everyone living in the land, and with all those who want to as well, it must be depressing to take stock of the sad state of the country, and to realize that things are continually getting worse. But if this past week has taught us anything, it's that their salvation will not come from the U.S., with leftist Jews in the U.S. themselves under attack from their own institutions. If the right-wing institutions steering the Jewish communities of Israel and the U.S. can coordinate their political cleansing campaigns, it would behoove the leftists on both sides of the Atlantic to recognize the armies arrayed against them as well, and to start strategizing accordingly. Israel crushes resistance at home and abroad with help from far-right friends. Published October 26, 2018 at The New Arab, Al-Arabi Al-Jadid. You've been listening to Behind Frenemy Lines, a podcast about Israel-Palestine by local journalist David Sheen. That's me. If you like what you heard, you can donate on PayPal or Patreon. You can check out my back catalog of articles and videos on my website, which is davidsheen.com. D-A-V-I-D-S-H-E-E-N dot com If you want to get in touch you can email me at d at davidsheen.com Follow me on Twitter at davidsheen and this is a brand new podcast so tell all your friends about it and I will see you next episode on Behind Friendly Lines Behind Friendly Lines